0: Hi, my name is Caroline Durham, and I'm the minister to children here at Heights Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us online today. You can find our content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and at our website, heightschurch.org connect. You can let us know that you joined us today um, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks for joining us. And If you have a copy of God's Word today, maybe in your hand, or you're going to turn it on on an app on your phone or iPad, 2 Thessalonians is where we're going to be. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is where we are today. We are finishing up our series in 2 Thessalonians today. Uh, And then I want to invite you back next week and ask you to make sure that you are here. Uh, You have a special speaker next week, Pastor Chris Clemens from the Way of Life Church up in Paraland is going to be with you. I'm going to be up there. And so uh, if you're new within our church, uh, Way of Life Church is a, a rarely new church. Uh, there in Pearland that we've supported over the last couple of years and just kind of come alongside of them and help them uh, get off the ground and, and go. And and so Pastor Chris and I, at least once or twice a year, we pulpit swap. And so I'll be up there. He'll be here, both services. And if you've not heard him uh, before, he is a blessing. And so I invite you back next week uh, for uh, Pastor Chris will be with you. In the meantime, we are finishing up 2 Thessalonians this morning. And if you don't mind, if you're able to stand again as we read God's word together and if you're new with us again we do this in the honor of the reading of the word of God because we do believe it is God's word not ours. Paul writes in verse 6 of chapter 3, now we command you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you've received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Verse nine he says, It was not because uh, we do not have that right, but uh, to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him eat. Verse 11, he says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. But as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Verse 16, he ends by saying, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And we believe this is the word of God. You may be seated. You know, for some of you, you have reached retirement age, and you are no longer in a uh, work position. For many of you, you are probably going to enter that in the next few years uh, once you kind of graduate high school. And for some of you, many of you, you are in the workplace every day. Now, research shows there's a lot of workplace distractions uh, that happen every day, and uh, there's a list of what those workplace distractions might be, and let's just take a guess at what the top workplace distraction might be. Now, you could say it's social media, and that's going to be on the list. You might say it's my cell phone, and sure enough, that's going to be on the list. You might say, "Well, it's maybe just noise in the office place." And you know what? If you guess that, that's on the list. But research shows the top workplace distraction is a talkative coworker. Okay. Now, some of you are like, "Yeah, I've sat next to that person." Some of you slump down a little more, and you're like, "I might be that person," right? But that is research shows the top workplace distraction, a talkative. Coworker. Now, it also shows that you can be focused and concentrating on a task, and even a five-minute interruption of a conversation can cost really up to 20 minutes because after that conversation is done, it takes you time to get con- you know back focused again. And so, really, workplace distractions—that talkative coworker—could cost your company millions and millions of dollars every year because mistakes are made when you're not focused, or just a lack of productivity happens. Paul, in the end of this letter, as he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, is going over distractions. He's going over, hey, there are people that are at times in churches that are distracting other Christians from doing the mission that that God's calling us to do. And so he's laying out a way in which we lovingly treat that person and help that person get back on track. And so this week, I want you to think, all right, I'm going to go out into the week, and I'm going to be out in the world, and I'm going to be in my community, my home, my workplace, wherever God may have you be, and you're going to have some distractions come your way. Things might get a little shaky this week in your life, and here's what I want you to remember from this morning in this passage, and it's right there on the screen. We put it on the screen for you to be able to write down, if you got a pad out, note, or you know, write it there in your phone, because you're going to need this statement this week. I guarantee you. Be unshaken in your commitment to follow the Lord. All right. So this week, I want you to think about that, because the distractions going to come, shaky times may hit you, and then you need to stop and say, okay, you know what? No, I'm going to be unshaken in my commitment to follow the Lord. Because that's what really all of Second Thessalonians has been about, is even though it's shaky times at times, we can be unshaken in our faith. We can continue to progress and move forward. And so distractions are going to come, but you be unshaken in your commitment to the Lord. And so Paul, in beginning of verse 6, gives us some instructions on how to handle someone who may be causing distractions in your personal life or in the life of the church. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. Verse six is a hard verse. Because verse 6 is really going to push back, I think, a lot on our culture and how we view things. So we're going to spend some time on verse 6. And we're really going to try to unpack this, hopefully by the grace of God. And it will mature our faith and help us to be unshaken in our commitment to the Lord. Now notice in verse 6, Paul says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you keep away, from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. And so what Paul is saying is this, if you have a brother or sister in Christ who is walking in idleness, right now walking in idleness means walking irresponsibly, so your translation may say walking irresponsibly, they're idle in their faith, they're off track uh, in living the way God wants them to live. Paul's saying, don't associate. Walk away. It says in verse 6, keep away. Right? So there comes a point in a time where you might have to say, right now, I can't associate with you. I need to step away. I need to walk away. I need to pull away. Right? Because what you're doing, I can't agree with. You're walking irresponsibly. You're walking idly. You're not obeying the Lord. And what was happening is really this, is because we talked about this up in chapter two, that Jesus is coming back. And so there's a lot of people in the church that were saying, well, Jesus is coming back at any point, so I'm just going to quit my job. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to work anymore because Jesus is coming back. And I mean, it's, it's Monday. He may come back on Thursday. So why in the world did I need to work on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday if he's coming back on Thursday? I, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to, you know, kind of hang out in my life and, and not, not do my job anymore. Well, understand a couple of things culturally here is this is a culture in which you don't get an unemployment check from a government. There's no governmental assistance in this way. So what's going to happen is people who took that route of thinking, all right, woo, I'm just going to walk away, I'm going to quit, I'm not going to do my job, Jesus is coming back, and and man, it could happen in this week, no point in working anymore. Well, you know what would happen in their life? About 6 p.m., they might start getting a little hungry. Noonday sun hits them at the peak of the day, and they're a little hot, they're going to get a little thirsty. Maybe that last storm blew a hole in their roof, and now rain's coming in. But their source of income is gone, right? They, they quit. They stopped working. And again, culture and day and time, there's not an unemployment check. There's not stimulus checks. There's not any of those checks you're getting from the government. So who's now taking care of those who aren't working? It would be the ones who are working, Right? And so they're kind of mooching off the other Christians in the church because they're like, you know what? We're not working. Jesus is coming back. But oh, hey, I'm hungry. (laughs) I got a hole in my roof. I need some of this. I need some of this. I need some of this. So they're draining the resources of the faithful even though they still could work. Do you notice verse 10? Verse 10 is real, real key in this, okay? So let's look at verse 10. He says, even when we were with you, we give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Now notice what he says very carefully there. He's not talking about ability levels, all right? Because there are some people who don't have the ability to work. Maybe they're not of working age, maybe they're past, you know, the physical age of work. They might have a physical disability, they might have a mental disability. So Paul's not addressing abilities, he's addressing willingness. So you have able-bodied, able-minded people of working age who's going, Jesus is coming back. I don't want to work, but what I expect is for all of you guys to take care of me. But there's another issue you should have uncovered and saw it and maybe marked it when we were reading that text in its entirety. And I know it's not going to be any of you guys. Okay, I know this isn't going to apply to 1030 service. Maybe it applied to 9 o'clock, okay? Maybe it was the 9 o'clock service for verse 11, all right? Did you notice verse 11? There was a bunch of busybodies in the church. So they weren't working with their hands, but they were working with their mouths, all right? And they were gossiping. And they were meddling in the affairs of all the other folks. Here's kind of a a quick newsflash, soapbox moment. It's going to be real short, okay? So hang with me. I don't soapbox on a lot of things, but I'm just going to step on it real quick. We don't have to know everything that happens in each other's lives, okay? Okay? Like, I know we got this thing called social media and all that, but you don't have to know everything that happens in the life of someone else. So, here's how you stop gossip in a church you stop gossip. That's how you stop it. You stop it. You stop listening to it. You stop spreading it. You stop engaging in it. Got it? There you go. I stepped off. Okay? But that's what's happening. You got people who are saying, hey, you know what, I don't want to work. But instead of, you know, working with my time, I'm going to meddle in my time. And Paul says in verse six, they're not walking right. They're walking irresponsibly. They're loving, you know, they're leading irresponsibly in their lives. So what do we have to do? He says, you've got you to step away. You've you got to disassociate for a time. Now, I know. That rubs a lot of people wrong, because a lot of people are going to take real exception to what Paul says, because he says something in verse 6 again, and it appears in verse 10, it appears in verse 12, he says, now we command you to do this. See that in verse 6? Verse 6, command. Verse 10, he uses the word command again. If you've got an NIV, it's going to say rule in verse 10, but rule and command are the same words. Verse 12, he's going to say this is a command. So Paul's saying this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. This is the way you handle these situations. Now, I know some of you are thinking about it this way because you're looking at me with that tone of voice that some of you can do, and, and you're thinking, wait one second. Who in the world is this guy? It is 2021. We are in Alvin, Texas. He wrote this almost 2,000 years ago to a church in Thessalonica that I probably couldn't find on a map if I wanted to. In a different culture, speaking a different language, who in the world is Paul to say in my life, I have to do this? If that's your question, I want you to know fantastic question. If that's what you're thinking, listen, I want your questions. If you have questions, you have doubts of your faith, you have things sometimes, we welcome your questions. I really do. I'd love to sit down with you and talk to you all about those. And if that's just you this morning, you go, who in the world is this guy? Who does he have the right to tell me what to do? That is a great, great question. Because you notice in verse 6 what he says, we command you brothers in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ Paul's saying it this way the authority I have in my life is not Paul it's Jesus that I'm telling you this because Jesus saved me set me aside as an apostle and he's given me this word to give to you so Paul's saying it's not my authority it's not my opinion it's not my suggestions I'm just the conduit that the message is flowing through. That's why here at Heights, I believe and we believe the Bible is the final authority in our lives. That's why I open up this Bible every week I stand here and we just go line by line through text. That's why I tell you, open a Bible, open an app because I want your finger on this book, because this book is the final authority. Amen? Amen. So you might get mad at me at verse 6. Okay, it's just right after verse 5, and it's right before verse 7. I'm just reading it, all right? You might say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, that's okay. It's the next one up. But here's the thing, and don't forget this and don't miss this, You want to be a believer in Jesus Christ? You want to say you're a Christian? Then Jesus is the authority in your life, period. Every time I share the gospel, every time I answer a question of faith someone has, whatever that question is, it always comes down to this. Who's the authority in your life? You or Jesus? if it's you, then you're not walking the way Jesus wants you to walk. If it's Jesus, then you're on the right side of that authority. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, to come to know Christ, you got to give him the username and the password of your life. You got to say, Jesus, here's my username, here's my password, you're in all my accounts. You are the authority in my life. That's why Paul says, all right, I'm telling you to do this because Jesus has told me to do this. But notice how this is done, all right? And I don't want you to miss this part. This is done lovingly and out of love because notice he says in verse six, now we command you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you receive from us. Notice verse 15, he says, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. When we have to do this as believers in Jesus, and we have to come up to another brother and sister in Christ and say, listen, I I, I see this in you. I see you walking down a path that's just not good. We are warning that person as a brother or sister in Christ. We do it lovingly, and out of love because we care about the person. Now again, I know we're in a culture and a time right now where folks say it's not loving to do that. I always come back with it in this. If I see you playing in traffic in highway 6, what's loving to do in that situation? For me to go play away. Right? Good luck. Or for me to go, don't play in traffic in Highway 6 because you could get run over, You can get hurt. It is loving to take that action, not ignore the action of play away. And for you and I, our job, because we love each other, we care for each other, is when someone's heading down a path that's wrong, that's against the Bible, is to come to them and say, don't head down this path. We love you. We care for you. This can end badly for you. But again, I I know that's foreign to us because right now we're, we're allowing a mentality to slip into our churches and in our homes where we might say, if you disagree with my action, you disagree with me as a person. And I want you to hear that. That's not biblical. You can love somebody, care for somebody deeply, disagree with their action, but still love them. You know, and I, I've, I've said this to uh, my, our oldest son, David, who's 16 now, ever since he was a, a little guy. I mean, he probably doesn't remember when I started saying this to him. But I, I said this to him constantly growing up and still do. I say, I love you and I'm always going to be your dad and I'm always going to love you. But that does not mean I'm always going to agree with what you do. You will do some things in your life I don't agree with at all, but I will always love you because I'm always your dad. All right, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the approach we take. We love the person. And even though we have to correct the action, does not mean that we're not saying this person is valuable anymore, or we don't love you anymore. No, no, no. We're helping you get back on the right track that God intends you to be on. And so Paul's saying, listen, there's going to be distractions at times, There's going to be people in life at times that are are kind of busy bodies and they're gossiping about things and they're meddling in affairs they don't need to be in. But he says, you know what you need to do? Be unshaken in your commitment to the Lord. Be unshaken in that. You keep following Jesus. You keep going the path God wants you to go on. That's why he says in verse 10, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil, we labored and worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but to give you in in, in ourselves an example to imitate. So Paul's saying, listen, as as a pastor, I had the right to get paid, but I laid that right down and I made tents wherever I went. I chose to kind of be bivocational. And what Paul was saying was, I set an example to you of what to do to work hard, to work ethically, to work well at your job. Set that example for other people that I've set for you as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I'm convinced of in churches today that we need to get back to is a good theology of work. You know, a good theology of work. You know, you remember work was created by God, Back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, before the fall, when everything was perfect and everything was great, God told Adam and Eve, you got to go to work. You got to tend and keep this garden. Now, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, work was perfect. Work wasn't work, right? It was good. It was great. It was work. And work was a way to worship the Lord. They tended and they kept the garden. And I mean, everything was perfect and good. What happened? Adam sinned. Adam fell. Curse enters into our world. Sin enters into our world. And part of that curse is, God says, now when you work, there's going to be sweat on your brow. It's going to be hard. And now we have to work, right? No longer is it work. I got to work, right? But guess what? In heaven, All that sin's gone. We are no longer in the presence of sin for all of eternity. I mean, I love to stop and think about that in heaven. I mean, yes, we have eternal life. Yes, we have forgiveness of sin. The power of sin is gone. But can you imagine for all of eternity not being in the presence of sin at all? Amen. Sign me up, right? (laughs) That's a good thing. So, you know what we're going to do in heaven? We're going to work. going to be jobs for us in heaven, the Bible says. We're going to serve in heaven. Now, what that's going to be, I don't know. I know I'm out of a job in heaven, right? I mean, you're not going to need a preacher anymore telling people to come to know Jesus in heaven, so I guess I'll apply for something else, you know? Hey, I'll be that doorman, right? As the book of Psalms says, great to be a doorman in heaven. Like, I'll hold a door open for all of eternity. But now we get to work in heaven. No more sweat on the brow, no more curse with it. It's no longer work. But here's what you do now. Here's what you redeem work as a believer in Jesus Christ. When you've got to go to work tomorrow and you're like, oh, it's Monday. I've got to work. This time change is killing me, right? For some of us, it takes a while to get over time change because it doesn't click with our kids not to sleep in an extra hour. You know, and they're up a little early. And it just takes us adults a little longer sometimes. We've got to show up to work tomorrow. You know what? God, this is where you're calling me to be right now. And I can redeem this job. I can celebrate I have a job that you're providing for me through. But now I'm going to be around people in my job that need Jesus. Boy, I can come in and I can see this not just as my work I've got to show up for. But boy, now it's my mission field. And you know what I'm going to do in my mission field? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work ethically. I'm going to set an example to those coworkers. Here's how a Christian works. And maybe they don't know it, but I'm going to start praying for them by name. As the time I pass that room, I pass that desk, I'm going to think about them. I'm going to think how I can serve them. I'm going to think how I can love them. I'm going to think how I can pray for them. You know, for, for many of you that get to go into a workplace environment like that, I've told you this before, I told first services, I'm honestly jealous of that. You know why? because I show up to work every day here, and all our employees better know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life, okay? I mean, like, I don't get a chance to just go to a job where I'm surrounded by lost people all day long. Many of you do. Don't waste that opportunity be that missionary right there in your office. Thank the Lord. You've put me around lost people today that I can have a positive impact in. For me, I've got to work hard to get in our community to find those avenues for me to be able to share the gospel. For some of you, you just got to wake up and go to your job tomorrow, and you're there. So think about verses 7 through 10. Just say, Lord, you're going to give me an opportunity you're giving me an opportunity to have a great impact for your kingdom. And yes, there may be workplace distractions, and there's that person in the office that distracts me. Yes, there's busybodies. Yes, there's people meddling. Yes, there's people that discourage me. But you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to remain faithful in my commitment to follow the Lord. I'm going to not let that shake me up in my commitment to follow the Lord. That's why Paul says in verse 13 this, as for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note. Have nothing to do with them for a time, is what Paul's gonna say, till they come back and they get back on the right track. Don't regard him as an enemy. Warn him as a brother, love him as a brother or sister in Christ. But verse 13: Do not grow weary in doing good. That that word weary there, it's it's not speaking of a physical weariness. It's talking about an emotional weariness, a spiritual weariness, because I know we can get weary as Christians. You look out at the culture and you think, man, our, our country's heading farther and farther and farther away from God every day, and it seems like it's happening quicker than what it used to. You might grow weary about a situation in your life. You might grow weary about something that's been said about you, you know, somebody saying something, spreading some rumors on you, and you just grow weary about it and you say, you know, I just, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I want to keep following this Jesus. I don't, I don't know if this is right and good anymore to keep doing this. I'm just getting tired of all this. It seems shaky all around me, and I just I want to quit. I want to throw up my hands. I want to walk away. You know, it's isn't the only time that Paul says this in the New Testament. Says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we don't give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. And I love 1 Corinthians verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 58, where he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be movable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So maybe this morning you're a little weary. Things are shaky and you're just saying, "You know what? I'm just I'm weary in my soul over everything that's going on." This is why Jesus says, "Come to me." It's why Jesus gives us an invitation in the Bible. Why we call people to Christ because Christ is the ultimate inviter. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 he says, "Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden." and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest in your souls. I'll give you rest over what's causing you to be weary from. He says, come to me. And I love that by Jesus, because Jesus is never weary when we ask for forgiveness. Jesus doesn't get weary when we come to him, and we come to him. Jesus doesn't get weary when we pray to him. Jesus doesn't get weary over praying for us, And so he is the one that says, I'm the one that's ultimately unshaken in everything that's happening. You come to me. You find rest in me. You find that ability to be unshaken in your faith in me. Because all of that is by his amazing grace. Just by his amazing grace. We once were lost, but now are found. Once was blind, but now we see. Why? Because a man by the name of Jesus went to a cross on Calvary, and he died for all those moments and times where you're weary. And right now he just says, come to me. So will you bow your heads, close your eyes, as we're finishing this letter this morning, I want you just to right now make that commitment. God, I want to be unshaken in my commitment to following you. There may be something that happens in your life that's going to be a little shaky. Someone makes a decision you disagree with. Something happens at work. Something happens medically. And I want you right now to say, Lord, no matter what's going to happen, help me to be unshaken in my commitment to you. Maybe today there's weariness in your soul. Maybe today you're you're weary. You look out at culture and you, you think, man, it's just... It's moving fast, fast, and fast away from God. Or I'm weary. I want to give up. You make a commitment today to keep going. Say, no, that's not going to shake my commitment to you, Lord. Maybe you know, there's somebody in your life right now you're weary about praying for. You've been praying about a situation to change, you're not seeing the change yet been praying for them to come to know Christ, and you haven't seen it yet, will you still call out their name before the Lord today? Say, God, help me not to grow weary in loving them and praying for them, because Lord, you didn't grow weary in my life when I ran from you. Maybe today, is come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Simple question, who has the authority? You or Jesus? Have you given them all the usernames and passwords of your life today? Have you let them in? Said, Jesus, you have all the authority. The Bible says until you do that, you can't be saved. Because we come to Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. So maybe today you're ready to do that. If that's you right now, you can simply pray with me, whether you are in your home or right here in this worship center. Dear God, I'm ready to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe He died on the cross for my sin. I believe He rose from the grave. I'm committing my life to following Jesus. Father God, I pray this morning that we do not grow weary in doing good. Help us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. And Father, I, I pray today that even though things seem shaky around us, even though there's times people say things about us and meddle in our affairs, and we all go through that, whether it's a coworker, a church member, a family member, a friend, Lord, I pray that we stay committed and unshaken to follow you. Lord, thank you that you have been committed to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.